The following podcast is for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed therein are not necessarily those of Canal Insurance Company. This information is not designed to replace, substitute, or supplement our client's independent obligation to comply with any laws or regulations. Listeners should complete their own independent research in creation and development of their company's risk management and safety programs. Welcome to episode six of the Holland Notes podcast by Canal Insurance Company. I'm Savannah West, Risk Management Analyst. And I'm Marty Maroney, Director of Risk Management Services at Canal. This week's guest is Buddy Walls with Carrier Software. Buddy Walls is a 35-year veteran of insurance and truck safety and currently works for Carrier Software as a safety manager. In our conversation with Buddy, we chat about DOT scoring and auditing, roadside inspections, the importance of pre-employment screening, and so much more. Now let's get rolling. So Buddy, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, We are so, so excited to have you here with us. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Great being with you all today. Yes. Well, thank you. So with so many new uh, carriers kind of going out on their own and starting out, what should they know about DOT scoring? The primary focus uh, for new carriers, not only new carriers, but all the existing carriers as well, uh, is to remember the time-weighted points that are factored in in creating your scores. Uh, For example, all violations, uh, crashes, uh, inspections uh, that result in the most recent six-month period has a time-weighted factor of three. As an example, if you get a speeding 10 miles or over, that becomes a 30-point violation score in the most recent six-month period. Then it drops down to two times, so it goes from 30 to 20 for the 7 to 12-month period. And then finally, the last year before it drops off the 25th month, it goes down to one times the weighted point. So carriers really need to understand it's absolutely critical to uh, really train their drivers on their behaviors and make certain that they don't bring any new points on because when you have a three-time point weighted value, it far exceeds that one-time value as it drops off the 25th month, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, buddy, so after it drops off for that last year, will you ever, will the violation stay there or can they actually go back and pull DOT records from, I don't know, maybe five years ago? You know, uh, they can pull the the data. Needless to say, for crash, the data is uh, retained for, for five-year period. Uh, for other wow. violation, but but the 24-month factor, uh, DOT, it just drops off the radar screen. It's It does okay. not become a factor after the 24-month period. Okay. Wow. So so you, you have that 24-month timeline uh, that, that's really critical. And again, the most recent six-month period is absolutely critical because of the three-time weighted value. Buddy, you mentioned that uh, it's very critical um, just a couple questions just to, to help folks understand. So when we talk about DOT scoring, um, what what is actually being scored? What categories are we talking about? Uh, 
all the categories that I, I recently mentioned from unsafe driving, crash, hours of service, all the basics of uh, violations uh, run anywhere from a 10 point uh, critical violation all the way down to a one. Uh, okay. And so, you know, uh, as an example, the, the 10 point speeding uh, uh, is a 15 or more uh, over speed limit. Uh, that carries a 10-point violation, which ends up being a 30-point uh, in the most recent six-month period before it drops down to 20 points in the 7 to 12. I got you. And if someone has a bunch of violations, how does that impact them when they're interacting with DOT on a subsequent inspection or something like that or, or going down the highway? Um, is there any impact to having those high scores? Absolutely. Uh, it has impact uh, in several uh, ways. DOT monitors the motor carriers on a daily basis. Uh, if your scores uh, go above the alert status in any of the basics, uh, it also drives up your ISS score, inspection system uh, score. So, uh, you know, if you have a, a score of 75 or higher, DOT will automatically inspect you. It's a must inspect category. If it drops down below uh, 75, goes 74 to, to 50, it's an optional inspect, and 49 down to zero is an automatic pass. So it's like you're running down the road with a bullseye on your back if you're in that must inspect category. They know chances are they're going to find more violations if they pull those type of trucking companies over for inspections. Wow, that's uh, appreciate the insight on that. That uh, those scores impact the carrier in, in a lot of different ways, not only with law enforcement and inspections, it sounds like, but um, I can tell you from a insurance carrier side too, if a carrier has a high scores, that could really have an adverse effect if they do have a any type of an incident with another party in terms of trying to defend them because those scores will come back up and a plaintiff attorney will use that information uh, to paint a picture that that carrier isn't very safe. So uh, appreciate the insight on uh, telling us about the importance of scoring and how those are calculated. So, Buddy, so what advice would you actually give uh, for just a new carrier, maybe a one to two unit guy um, who's just getting out on his own? What advice would you give to them um, about really monitoring those DOT scores? Great question. You know, uh, DOT requires for new entrants that they must undergo a safety audit within the first 12 months uh, from starting their operation. So they will have a safety audit conducted on them. And the result of that safety audit will determine, in many cases, if they're going to be allowed to continue to stay in business. If there's acute violations, critical violations, no safety compliance whatsoever, uh, sometimes, in fact, I just got a call the other day, a carrier has been placed out of service and he has like 15 days to, to uh, reply to a safety uh, action plan or he will permanently lose his authority. Wow. Now he did wow. make a, he did make the, unfortunately he made the comment to the DOT officer, well, I'll just go across street and start up under another name. <laughs> uh, you know, that's on DOT's radar screen too, that, you know, that's called a chameleon carrier and they follow the ownership 
uh, of the companies that are placed out of service and have to uh, relinquish their authority, they're not allowed to go across the street and start up under a new name. That will follow them, and they'll be shut down again if that happens. Wow. So, Buddy, Savannah mentioned the new car carrier starting out. What, um, where's the best place for someone that's going out on their own with the DOT? Obviously, they've been with another trucking firm, and they've had someone watch this information for them. Where would you point them to to just start learning about these uh, different DOT requirements and things of that nature? Is there is there a source out there that someone could go to and, and at least start learning about this? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, FMCSA publishes their regulations. Uh, I, I would suggest that uh, they really look at the major components of what DOT is going to pay attention to. Uh, ironically, I talked to a, an owner operator recently, started up as a new company, started asking him, did you fill out the, an application for yourself when you were hired by your company? He said, well, I didn't think I needed one. I said, well, you now are an employee of your company. Did you do a pre-employment drug test? You know, there's so many factors and the regulations, uh, you know, there, there's no difference if you have one truck or 10,000 trucks. The regulations apply to everybody. And a lot of those things are time stamped. You cannot backdate those things. And so, you know, uh, the gentleman asked me, what should he do since he, he failed to, to comply with the regs. So I'm trying to assist him a little bit and, and basically told him, well, at least go ahead and do a drug test now. At least it shows DOT that you're aware that you, you missed the vote, so to speak, and you're trying to, to catch up on, on the compliance side of the issues. You know, they're, they're welcome to contact me. Uh, for example, uh, there's so much information out there these days uh, they can even uh, they they can go on uh, the, the the Google site and Google new entrant FMCSA requirements, and it outlines what that that new uh, company should be doing to be uh, compliant once that audit is is conducted within that 12 month period, and they will actually uh, review that carrier for an 18 month period. So even though they'll do the audit in 12. Uh, they will determine after the 18-month period if that carrier is allowed to stay in business or not, based wow. on their safety or lack of safety. Yeah, it's uh, appreciate that insight. That's a lot to learn. As uh, working on our side of the with the insurance carrier, we talk a lot with these trucking professionals that have started their own DOT and things of that nature. And uh, like we said, most of them have uh, been with big carriers and there's big departments that help them and handle a lot of these uh, things that they're up against as far as uh, regulations and that sort of thing. So a uh, new carrier um, starting out has a lot to learn. It sounds like it's very important to, you know, get your, get that information and learn it before you start operating. So you don't get caught up in one of these um, out of service or uh, uh, potentially out of business type situations. Thank you. Yeah, you know, Marty, and one thing I bring up to them, they, regardless if they recognize it or not, they do have a partner, and that partner is the insurance company. And they've absolutely got to be aware of the fact that if they have acute violations or critical violations, failure to have a property EQ file, 
uh, comply with all the drug and alcohol uh, requirements out there. There's no way that you, as the insurance company, able to defend their actions in, in the event of a, of, of a serious injury or especially a fatality. And, and, you know, that really has an impact on you as Canal, the insurance company, when you bring on a partner, uh, like especially a new entrant or any company for that matter, you know, that, they, that they've got to really partner with you and, and put their best foot forward. And then that comes with safety. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think the, the number one thing, at least I, I hope for every day when we do these jobs, is that we um, uh, is that folks are being as safe as they can to prevent losses, um, which helps everybody out on the road. So Absolutely. That's very important. So, buddy, uh, you'll have to help me out here. I've actually, I've only been in the industry uh, with safety and trucking for about two and a half years. So I work with a lot um, of new insureds that are just uh, kind of getting out on their own for the first time, um, out on their own authority with their DT number. Um, and a lot of them have been asking me about uh, what I think is referred to as Safety Week, um, DOT Safety Week. Um, but I think it's actually the annual international road check um, conducted by the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, the CVSA. Apparently, actually, ironically, it is today, September 9th through the 11th, yes. um, and a lot of newer drivers are just kind of wondering what that means for them and what that means um, for safety on there and what's expected of them this week. Can you uh, just talk a little bit about that and kind of the relationship to the DOT scoring? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Uh, you know, that's a great point. Uh, you, you bring up about, you know, the uh, the safety week. Uh, DOT, it's, it's a huge blitz across the con- country. And most uh, of these inspections are going to be level one inspections. Okay. And there's a 37 step procedure that thoroughly examines the driver as well as the vehicle on a level one inspection. So they're going to do a walk around. They're going to uh, basically go through the same motions that every driver should go through every morning on a pre-trip and post-trip inspection, making sure the equipment is properly in order and it's working. Uh, example, uh, I'm seeing so many violations with simple things like fire extinguishers, either not having one or not being properly charged. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're, every facet of these inspections will target that 37-step process. They'll look at the driver, uh, make sure they'll review his logs, uh, more than just the vehicle. They'll make sure the driver's uh, got all the requirements he needs uh, in, in uh, the ELD programs as well, and, and that he's following the protocol set up by FMCSA. He's he's got to be totally compliant. There's going to be written up on some facet of it. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. So it's even simple things like fire extinguishers. Yes, ironically, when we were doing we as Care Software with the IRT, you know, information uh, through our discovery, we found out that for the majority of the time, those carriers. Uh, with drivers that failed to have a either a fire extinguisher or it wasn't properly charged, it was the high percentage that those type violations as a fire extinguisher led to crashes. 
and and wow. so I asked Craig, the owner of our company, why would that be? And it was a simple matter that you know if you don't pay attention to the small things, you're gonna overlook the big things. You know, I'm That's seeing a crazy. lot of things, uh, tire tread out there, flat tires. Uh, it's just it's across the board, you know, and uh, I just think. Uh, as an industry, I, I think maybe a, a lot of the drivers have let their guard down a little bit because it's no longer required to flag your 15-minute pre-trip inspection. And I think a lot of times we used to call it pencil whipping <laughs> because it, you actually had to flag that on the paper log to show that 15-minute that you did a pre-trip. Now, I've never seen anybody properly do a pre-trip in a 15-minute segment anyway. But but it's kind of off the radar screen. It is required that they do the DVIR post-trip inspection if there's any issues so that it can be corrected before they're dispatched the next day. Okay. Buddy, go, going back to that, that fire extinguisher example is uh, fascinating to me, that how that correlated into, uh, you know, other issues for folks. Uh, I've got, just in the experience I've had with claims in other parts of the industry, I've noticed too, uh, kind of similar. If a of a vehicle isn't being well maintained, but even simple things like the inside of the cab is, you know, is not all that organized. You know, with papers and and uh, old food items and things of that nature. Um, have you seen where that uh, will impact an inspection or you know correlates to violations or anything like that? Yes, great, great question, Marty. Uh, I actually read an article here a while back that uh, especially when these drivers go across the scales, if they see it uh, as the truck's approaching, the first thing they look at is the dash. And if there's clutter on the dash and they can't see the driver because of all the, the bags sitting on the dash, uh, then it's, they have an 80% chance probability factor that they're going to be, uh, they're going to have to pull around and they'll have an inspection. Because DOT officers are saying, you know, if, if there's that much clutter on the ga uh, on the dash, then we'll, there's probably a, a big chance uh, that we'll find issues with the inspections on the maintenance side or even wow. on the driver's side. Well, wow. so just just the uh, s simple act of keeping your cab organized could really reduce the chances of a more in-depth inspection. That's that's uh, that's an easy fix and uh, well worth it. It sounds like. Absolutely. Just, I just want to circle back on something. Uh, Savannah mentioned Safety Week and, and the one that uh, is occurred in September. Um, how often do those occur? And then just to follow up on that, where can I find out, where can a, a carrier find out that those are going to occur? Are those published out there for folks to, to know that they are coming? Yeah, there, there's a lot of different companies that publish that. Uh, constantly, you know, a lot of your, your state organizations constantly put a blitz out there. There's a lot of articles uh, across all the magazines uh, warning drivers well in advance of when the, the safety week will, will you know, uh, occur and, and the length of time. It, I've read about this uh, safety week right now that started today, probably as far back as, uh, shoot, I'd say probably three months back now. So, you know, trucking companies need to make a, a concerted effort to keep their drivers informed as well, because they're their lifeline from the standpoint uh, of uh, communication also. 
Yeah, just to go off with Buddy, um, I think I read somewhere that this year's 2020, the safety week was actually supposed to be back in May. Um, but due to the coronavirus, it actually, that's why we're sitting here in September. I think I read that it's typically normally a late spring, early summer occurrence. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes, you're exactly right. Got it late. Buddy, you, you, I've, I've heard the term PSP. Um, and c- can you explain what that is and, and what the importance of that is? Sure. PSP is pre-employment screening program. And, uh, you know, the trucking company uh, has to comply with the CSA rules and regulations. And there's where the scores come in and, and the alert factors and all that. Drivers also have something similar, and that is the PSP. They have uh, – it tracks their behavior, good or bad, uh, in inspections, violations, and crashes. It monitors them on crashes uh, for five years and three years for their behaviors uh, while they're on the road. And every time – you know, it's not a requirement that as a new hire you run a PSP, but we at Carrier Software feel that that's absolutely critical. Why would you place a driver in a truck not knowing their behavior, giving them maybe a hundred plus thousand dollar piece of equipment and maybe a a $250,000 load and and just hope that they're going to reach their destination, uh, you know, in time, on time, uh, and and with it not, not being damaged, so it's critical. We we actually have created an uh, analytical platform on our program. Uh, companies can pull PSPs direct from FMCSA. The cost of that is ten bucks. Okay, and uh, and and so once they pull the PSP, they can upload the PSP in our platform, and it will automatically rank that potential new hire driver among their current drivers as if that new hire driver had been running for them over the the prior 24 months. It will rank that new hire driver, show their impact analysis based on their behavior uh, against their current drivers. And we will actually superimpose that new hire driver's name to show where that driver would rank, either the top worst or maybe the best, uh, as if that driver had been running under their DOT number. So it's a great tool. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Right. Sounds like it's very thorough. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it really is. So, Buddy, and I, I have another question for you, and I'm sure you can help me with it. I've heard uh, a few different things um, that there's five levels of DOT inspections. I've heard there's nine levels. How many levels of DOT inspections are there actually? Yeah, great question. Uh, six levels, uh, for example, the level one, you know, I've already uh, mentioned it's the North American standard inspection, uh, and that's the, the, the most thorough inspection. Uh, it's for the driver as well as the vehicle. Level two is a walk around uh, driver vehicle inspection. Level three, driver only inspection. Uh, level four is a special inspection. Level five is vehicle only inspection. And, and level six is the enhanced uh, National American Standard Inspection. So there's a lot of different type inspections out there. So what's that level for the special inspection? That could be a, a focus inspection uh, that, uh, for example, uh, 
that that DOT uh, you know pulls a truck over. Uh, for example, uh, we see that a lot in in the hazmat. If if a truck is placarded out there, they'll want to make certain that they're checking the paperwork, the documents to make sure everything's in order. Uh, okay. You know, for compliance purposes, make sure they're running the proper placards compared to what what's required on uh, on the paperwork on the documents. Okay, and then the number six, the is it number six level inspection? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that that enhanced. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, that that enhanced is just more of a focused inspection. Uh, mm-hmm. If uh, you know, if if DOT thinks that maybe a, a company really has, a, and, and it'll show up on the alert status when it comes to vehicle maintenance as well as so that's an alert, then then uh, it could even trigger a, a DOT audit, a focused audit on vehicle maintenance, wanting to make sure the files are in order, uh, that the carrier's proactively doing the preventing maintenance, they're documenting everything. You know, it just goes on and on and on. They, they even, you know, it's... It's been required for years, but when they look at the vehicle maintenance file, it's required to have the tire size oh, wow. uh, on, on that file as well. And you've got the, that vehicle maintenance file is absolutely critical because that, too, can uh, be subpoenaed in discovery uh, if when you're trying to defend uh, yourself in an accident situation. Wow. Well, the, wow. the common theme I'm hearing, buddy, is not only you, you have to be safety conscious but you you need to be very organized when you operate your own entity as far as keeping records and uh, um, projecting a well-organized operation it seems like that uh, helps in a lot of different areas you know you're absolutely right if you can't document it or you don't document it dot looks at it as it never happened so it's absolutely critical that, uh, you know, for years, uh, I've always called the safety department uh, firefighters. Every phone call changes their priority. And they get distracted. They kick the smoke to the curb because they have a fire to fight as an accident, for example. And everything else just kind of gets pushed aside. And for the most part, especially your smaller carriers, I've seen carriers up to 100 trucks in size only having one safety person. And that's a tremendous job when you think about all the record-keeping requirements, what you have to, to do to be proactively in looking and, and uh, recognizing your problem drivers and then come up with a, a proper training program. Uh, you have to really should be doing a root cause analysis across all the basics for each of your drivers determining what the root cause analysis is that's creating those violations and then create a, a corrective action plan on what are you going to do to correct that behavior specifically for those drivers as well as the overall company. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I agree with you that I've seen that uh, hundred fleets with one safety person that's usually wearing a few different hats too. And uh, I'm not sure if you would agree, but um, I, I believe that, you know, sometimes entities will look at safety as a cost, but if you invest in safety and prevent some of these incidents, it, it pays back with huge dividends just by, uh, you know, getting in front of these issues before something happens. Because all it takes is one loss, one big violation or something like that. And all the money that you think you have saved is just gone. Is that uh, 
something you would agree with, buddy? You're spot on. I've always said safety should never cost. It should always pay. I mean, you know, uh, in, in your situation, uh, Marty, as Canal, you know, when you look at a company, uh, it has to one of the major factors has to come into play. If a, if a carrier has three or four alerts versus those carriers that have zero alerts, your probability of probably giving them a better insurance premium just quadruples based on those good carriers versus those carriers that you feel, uh, you know, uh, as a company that you have no no chance of trying to defend that carrier in the event of an accident. Even if they were 100% right, the discovery will try to prove that they're wrong. So you're right. Record keeping is an absolute, you know, is a must. I had a trucking company call me the other day. They thought their, uh, their safety person was properly documenting as a small issue, they thought, uh, properly documenting the pre-employment background check. It has to be properly documented. Uh, they were running uh, right at 60 trucks. They nailed them for every driver qualification file for failure to document the background check. A $196,000 fine. Now, wow. you tell me safety doesn't pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And those are profit dollars, man. Those were the yeah. profit dollars that should have gone to the owner. <laughs> oh, wow. Exactly, yeah. How do you, buddy, speaking of that, how do you properly document um, those PSP? Like, how would they even go about that? Is that just keeping files, or what does that look like? Yes, uh, great question. You, you need to maintain, you know, there, there's item by item. Uh, and, and it's well laid out by, by FMCSA on the requirements of all the documents that should be in your DQ file, period. Starts with the application. Uh, the, the, one of the greatest uh, advantages of running a PSP, because through the years I've found most drivers either intentionally fail to declare a carrier that they've driven for, especially in the most recent three-year three period, because if, if they were terminated from that carrier, they want to try to avoid you contacting that carrier. Well, when you run a PSP, you can do a check and balance against the application. And any inspection that driver had for the, for, for the prior three years will show up on that PSP to check back against the application and see if the driver uh, either intentionally falsified his application or just happened to forget to write that carrier down. Okay. So it's a great management tool as well. And what are the most, uh, and just this is again, one of my new to the industry curious questions, but what are some of the most common violations uh, that drivers really kind of get slammed for? You know, I'm seeing a lot of issues uh, with not having required operable lamps. Turn signal, as an example, headlight. Those things should be discovered on a proper pre-trip. Now, I realize a light can go out while you're driving, but uh, but you know that should be uh, that should have been caught in a pre-trip, especially in a, a post-trip DVIR, so that that thing you know that light could be corrected because a lot of those uh, lights are requirements. And, you know, that, that's points, again, against the, the driver on his PSP scores, and it goes against the motor carrier as well. Uh, that's just one uh, tire tread. It's amazing 
uh, how many uh, violations I'm seeing in the industry with tire tread less than uh, two thirty seconds of an inch, as an example. And so th- that should have been caught by the shop as well mm-hmm. as the driver. Okay. So, so those type of violations uh, on the parts and accessories uh, end of it. Uh, a- another uh, issue is brakes, either brakes out of adjustment, uh, failure to, uh, uh, to correct defects on the inspection report, uh, and the, the driver qualification aspect of violations. I'm seeing a lot of non-English speaking drivers out there. Now, it's always made me uh, wonder if if a driver cannot speak English, how in the world did that driver get their CDL license? Because that's that's part of that requirement. But I've also found through the years that your your DOT officers that are housed in those states can better understand those drivers that can't speak English very well versus other states that they're, they're just not exposed to that many drivers. And so it's in the eyes of beholder. And therefore I see a discrepancy from one DOT officer for, to another in writing that up. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that's just, that's, that's a small example. Uh, driver training violations, operating a seat, uh, motor carrier without a CDL, you know, we have a strategic partner that actually monitors the CDL license now because I've recognized through our clients that I'm seeing a lot of suspended uh, CDL drivers still operating trucks out there. And one of the primary causes is failure to pay child support. Now, you think about this. That letter goes to the driver's address, home address. They're on the road. Most of the time, the drivers aren't even aware that their driver's license are suspended for child support as a good example, okay? And if, if they have the proper NBR monitoring, it pushes those alerts to those various trucking companies uh, in real time to let them know you need to put this uh, driver out of service because his license is suspended before he ends up in an accident or gets inspected by DOT and finds out that he's running without a a valid CDL license. That that's becoming a more and more of a, a larger issue. Wow, yeah. I never even would have guessed that. Um, especially about the child support, that's uh, super unfortunate that those drivers. A lot of them, I just know from my experience talking with a lot of drivers. I mean, some of those guys can be out on the road for weeks. Um, so the fact that they're getting that news via mail, that's really a that's unfortunate for them. But to go back, um, you were talking about even, you know, a light can go out, a headlight can go out while they're driving. Do you think that some of the stuff like that could be prevented um, if they stuck, if they kind of, you know, stay to a more rigorous maintenance schedule? Um, or do you think some of that stuff's just unavoidable? You know, there should never be an excuse that, uh, any driver should start his trip without a pre-trip and making certain that all the lights work. Everything's in order, you know, first of all. Uh, you know, drivers stop on and off uh, while they're on the road. Uh, if I were king of the, uh, king of my uh, trucking company, so to speak, I'd require that every time a driver got out of the truck, he would do a simple walk around, check his tires, 
you know, because they can go flat while you're running down the road too. And so just kind of just do a quick, just a quick review, uh, do a walk around, make sure all of his lights are working. Even in the daytime, turn all of his lights on, check his turn signals, because those things uh, lead to you being pulled over by DOT. And more times than not, they're probably going to check your logs. And that results a lot of times they'll find a, a ELD log violation. So you're just adding more points to your problem in other areas. I see, uh, look at the violation trending and things of that nature. And you hit on the three that I was going to guess, and that'd be brakes, lights, and tires seem to be um, very common. And I I think that advice you gave on that pre-trip, I think that goes back to what we said before, just a little bit of prevention can save uh, some major headaches down the road. And not only that, but uh, make it a safer operation too. How about uh, when I'm driving down the road, I see the back of a truck sometimes. And you know, of course, if at night you can see the lights and things like that. What's the importance of having that tape back there um, on the back of that truck? It's a requirement. I'm seeing a lot of uh, violations written up because uh, of either the tape is worn out and it's really not reflective any longer, things like that. It's amazing how many uh, trailers that I see out there that for some reason or another, there's still no tape back there and they get pulled over and written up for that as well. So, right. yeah. Well, they, I've actually seen it on the, on the claim side where uh, uh, our driver is doing everything proper within their lane and uh, they'll get rear-ended by someone at night on the interstate. And it, uh, believe it or not, despite the fact that our driver was rear-ended, because that tape wasn't um, up to requirements, it, uh, it puts you in a defensive position for an action that you really don't have any liability for. So um, it could uh, cause you problems too if there's, a, if there's a loss for sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and you've seen this, Marty. Uh, I, I know several DOT officers that's retired. Uh, these attorneys are trying to search these retired DOT officers out. They retain those officers. Those folks know where to look in the files, what to look for, uh, and, and they know their business. And, and man, worst thing you can ever have happen, uh, for example, even if you're rear-ended and they find out that, that the tape was not up to standard, they're going to try to say it was your fault because the, the reflective tape uh, or it was so filthy and so dirty that it could not reflect anything, you know. All those things are issues, and it just takes a little bit of time to save a big headache down the road. Yeah, exactly right. I've seen that time and time again. Just that taking that time, pre-trip inspection, keeping your vehicle maintained, it uh, not only makes you safer, but can prevent some uh, bad violations as well. Yeah. You know, if you don't mind, I'd like to reflect on something real briefly because you asked me about the new entrant. Um, I, I want to just touch base. There's there's a few things on that new entrant program that will automatically make you fail uh, that safety audit. Uh, and that's going to be alcohol and drug violations, driver violations, operator violations, repair inspection violations. If you failed in any one of those four categories, uh, that could be detrimental to closing down your company by DOT. 
and wow. you'll definitely have to come up with a safety plan and you may not end up with your uh, with your permanent authority at all wow good deal well thank you for that that's uh something that most people don't know and it, uh, like we talked about before entering this type of business on your own has a a lot of challenges in itself, just as far as the revenue and the operations, but the safety has to be prominent as well to not only be safe, but um, to maintain your authority and uh, uh, prevent violations and things of that nature. So thank you for that, buddy. No problem. Well, gentlemen, I have truly enjoyed the conversation this morning on this lovely Tuesday. I hope you both did too, buddy. Again, thank you so much for coming out and talking to me and Marty. Well, I really appreciate you allowing me to participate this morning. And uh, again, uh, everybody needs to be uh, focused on safety out there while we're on the road because our lives depend on it and, and other lives as well. Absolutely. Exactly, buddy. I really appreciate your time and uh, with us this morning, but I think you just nailed it there. We could talk about insurance rates. We can talk about violations, but the key is we really want things to be safe out there for everybody, prevent losses and unfortunately the fatalities that occur. So these things that you helped us with today uh, definitely could uh, radiate into preventing losses and loss of lives and injury. Um, so thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you all. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Buddy as much as we Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Holland Notes. Want to make sure you never miss a Holland Notes episode? Head to the link in the show notes to sign up for email notifications.